It's time once again for another episode of All That's Jazz, the podcast that explores everything in the world of jazz. And here now is your host, Alan Scott. Hello and welcome to another episode of All That's Jazz. Life for our guest in this episode did not start out with him having dreams of becoming an international jazz artist, but instead he thought it was a life in sports that was his destiny. In fact, it was not until later in life that music entered the picture and even helped him turn his life around. We will explore this amazing story today with our guest, Italian guitarist and jazz artist, Simone Gubiadi. Thank you for joining us, Simone. Thank you. Thank you, Alan, and thank you, everybody, for listening to us. I would like to start with a little bit of the story behind uh, what I was just talking about, and that is you didn't really start out thinking and dreaming and hoping that one day you would be a jazz artist, but instead you focused on sports. Uh, yes, I did. I mean, to be honest, actually, I don't, I don't consider myself myself a musician like you know everybody or every some other artist can consider himself because I'm really uh, fallen into into music. It's it's a mistake, and I will tell you why. Uh, but when I was a, a teenager, I used to play with the AC Milan football team which you, you probably know, it, it was one of the best teams uh, in that era. I was also running uh, 5,000 meters in athletics when I was a teenager. Right before my 16 years old, uh, I had a, a bad injury to my right knee and the football career was was finished, at least at professional level. I kept playing for years, but not as a professional. When you were younger, though, you didn't really start playing any music, any instruments, or didn't have any influence, but instead uh, your focus was mainly sports, yes? Y yes, yes. And uh, I never thought about playing uh, uh, an instrument. And, you know, also today, I, I struggle to go, to go on stage because I don't want to go there. It's, it's kind of funny. Uh, but I was really used to, to a stadium, for example, which is strange because I, I like to go on stage in a football field, but I actually, I, I don't have the same feeling when I, go, when I go on stage, even if, of course, I do that. And I never, never really believed in something like that until I was like 23 years old and I've been really depressed. So my weight was, was like, uh, I don't know the measure in English, but in, in Italian it's like 57 kilograms. And I'm 6'2", okay. tall guy, so I'm, I'm a big guy, and I, 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 couldn't really, I couldn't really walk. And at the time, when I was so depressed, I found out and I remembered I, I had a classical guitar that my father bought me when I was 12 years old, and I never used it. 
So when I was so depressed that I couldn't survive almost, I, I, I told to myself, oh, oh, let's see what happens if I pick up the instrument. And, and then I started when I was like 24 years old, close to my 25 years old. And that's how I found out that my city had a huge jazz festivals with important clinics from, for, from Berkeley School but I never attended any, any, any kind of jazz. And I, I, never, I never took any single lesson because I'm a self-taught. So I was trying to, to figure out, oh, this is C major and uh, like oh, a, a minor or whatever. And I was looking for a teacher. A friend of my father told me, why don't you go uh, to these clinics? Because I know that in the summer, they are doing something connected to the festival. And then I went there thinking it was a, like a, a really simple camp to learn guitar, and instead it was a jazz seminar. I suspect that maybe there's really some music that's inside of you, even from the very beginning. First of all, why did your father buy a classical guitar and bring that into your life earlier? What, what was he hoping would happen? Uh, honestly, I don't know. So he doesn't know why he did. And I remember that because when he, when he got the, 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 this Alhambra, classical Alhambra, I used to put the, the guitar on my bed like, and, and playing just the open strings like for 10 minutes, like prim, prim, prim. And that's it, it was my practice. <laughs> because in my, you know, I, I, I wanted to go in, into the football field. I wanted to go training. I was a talent in the sports, so I didn't really think about music, so I didn't care. Was your father a musician, or did no, he no, hope that you would become a musician? No, 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 absolutely. I don't know. I, I don't really know. I, I asked him like 1,000 times. He doesn't even remember he got the guitar. Uh, so anyway, you obviously ended up with a guitar being your destiny. It proved to be a part of your life because there was a stage in life for you when you thought maybe things were not going so well. I guess you decided that maybe you should go back and grab the guitar and see what happens. Uh, yeah, uh, that's a good question. I think that at the end is the guitar choosing me instead me choosing the guitar that, that because i didn't you know i wanted to challenge myself uh, when it happened because of my, i was sick it was a problem but when i when i got the, the guitar I, I told to myself well let's practice actually seriously because i want to see how far i can go uh, it's close to the sport mentality some way and i think it helped me my sport background helped me to be faster learning the instrument. And uh, when, when I started playing seriously, I noticed that I was healing from the depression. So it was very good. And I didn't, I didn't think anymore uh, about my obsessions or the things you know, I, had, I had into my mind and, and all, the, all the bad things I was living. And I, I was living with the music, but still I couldn't think to go on stage. And the incredible thing is that when I moved to LA, in 2003, I was just playing since five years, and the first recording I, I, I had the lucky to make was with Jola Barbera. It's a nonsense, if you know what I mean. 
it makes sense that things changed for you the way that they did. Even in an interview that you had once done with somebody else, you had said that you thought music saved your life. And it's true. Yeah. Music was very important for me as a human being because I was kind of a shy guy. And, uh, you know, this stage can teach you many, many things. The way you communicate with, with your instrument or the way it's a stupid thing. But when you when you have to, to talk to the people at the audience and you pick up the microphone, to me, it's something. I've been learning a lot as a human being. I traveled. Uh, I met a, a lot of people like you today, which is great. And I had the, the fortune to play with a... Uh, great musicians and great people so what can i say how did you start to learn music and then eventually jazz uh, how did it start did you just pick up and start playing a few chords and then maybe you found a melody and then a couple of other things just happened from there did you get any training anywhere from anyone or any school no, the only the only training I I had was and uh, it's something really important was uh, lessons of theory and harmony with a with an amazing clarinet player in Italy called Gabriele Mirabassi, uh, who is an international jazz player also and he plays a lot of Brazilian music, and he was really really let's say bad but bad in a positive way, because he had a lot of discipline in harmony and theory and it helped me a lot and and then i i used to to buy when i could methods of jazz because i never i never played another kind of music because i was too busy to try to understand what happened that night with ornette coleman that i just played jazz and i tried to understand jazz as much as i could so i bought a lot of music methods like especially to read music uh, because I liked to read. So I remember one is Modern Metal for, for Guitar by G. Levitt, which is used in the Berkeley also. And it helped me a lot with the scales and, uh, and the chords and everything. And, and then and I was listening as much as I could. I tried to transcribe solos. But everything I did was, for some reason, to go in a, in a professional direction. So I couldn't imagine joking with music, if you know what I mean. Everything I did was serious, because I believe that to improve, you have to take it really seriously. So the fact that I was struggling with one chord, with one phrase, with whatever you can meet during your path, was funny to me. And then I decided to move to Los Angeles, to GIT, because I didn't have the money to go to Berkeley and it was cheaper. So I went there and I met C. Jacobs and Joe Diorio and all those kind of guys who helped me a lot. You know, you said something a moment ago about learning and it sounds to me like sports gave you a discipline that helped you in your music because like sports, music is very much the same because when you're an athlete, you don't focus on what your strength is uh, as you're developing. You focus on your weakness and develop from there. Yes, that's exactly the point. Exactly the point. And uh, there are many similar aspects. For example, when you prepare the season and uh, you, uh, in English, but in American football, I think it's the, the training camp. And then you have 
one session in the morning and then sometimes you go to the swimming pool and then you have the the tactical session in the afternoon so you have to be focused every day every time and in every moment of the day and it helps when you take those concepts into into the instrument or music in general my mentality is okay you, do you know when you really make the job when you really accomplish the mission it's when you are tired when you go forward when you make another run or two runs when you are tired for example at the end of the training and your coach say okay you are you tired yes so now you have to make another you know 10 runs and that's the moment you really improve and that's the same with music when you when you are tired on the instrument like you know i i'm able to play the same the same pattern for like three three hours or four hours or six hours if i need because you know i can't focus on it and when i'm tired i say okay now i'm done but i need other 10 minutes and that's the training No, you're right. It it makes a lot of sense, uh, especially as you're developing, you want to do better. You're driving yourself and you have to have a little more gas in the tank, so to speak. Yes, and what you said before about the weakness, it's the other aspect. Since my first days with the guitar, I've been fast getting the wrong points. My right hand, for example, was really bad because nobody nobody was teaching me the articulation of, of the right hand so i was in trouble when i had to play the fast tempo and then and then i, I told to myself oh, oh we have a problem so uh, i really you know sit, sat down and i said there is something wrong and uh, where is the problem the problem was my articulation was bad so i don't, I don't want to be too technical what i can say is i really stepped behind and i started playing slower and slower and slower like like a kid playing one note like pa pa and then watching my right hand during the playing and it's how i fixed it and it brought me to develop a special articulation which is actually an hybrid between the alternate picking and the sweet picking but that's another that's another point what is it though about jazz that drew you into that music i know there were things uh, that you wanted to learn and understand about it especially as you said after going to the ornette coleman concert etc where did chet baker come into your life oh that was wow because because uh, it was the first recording i really understood and when he was phrasing and using you know this kind of language he had uh, i i really got the course or the lines going through the course and uh, and i said okay that that's the that's the way i, I want to follow and for the first time i uh, i i thought okay probably i understood something and i really like him so probably probably uh, i bought some kind of cd which was on promotion because i used to buy a lot when i started and then, and then it, it was useful when i got the git because c jacobs became my friend because uh, i mentioned uh, chet becker during his lesson so git is uh, guitar institute of technology yeah, in hollywood When you were there did you study not only technique but maybe did you 
begin to read music or do you read music? No, no, I was reading already because it's the first step I did when I started was reading. So when I, when I, when I went to LA, I already played some kind of gig because, because I started with a big band in my city. So I started reading the rhythms, the charts, and then so I, I had a background reading, yeah. But anyway, just to be clear, I just studied at, at GIT for two weeks. Then I left because because it was more like pop and rock oriented, and they don't really had a nice chess department. So I decided to quit and stay there. But obviously, there must have been some influences and something that wore off on you because your talent began to develop and flourish, and it grew to an excellent level. To the point now, you have a number of recordings to your credit as a leader, as well as you're having played as a sideman with a number of uh, well-known jazz artists. Uh, yes, it's true. Musically, for sure, C. Jacob changed my life because uh, I couldn't even imagine the approach he has to the guitar. I wouldn't, you know, I couldn't expect something like that. Like, for example, seeing or watching, you know, your palette like like a piano. And Joe Diorio, uh, the same. And uh, they teach you like to find your your own identity. And and it, it it's very important to have an influence, but in the meantime, to develop your own approach to the guitar and music in general. But the thing that actually, when I have a student. I used to say much more than music is the human being. When you are really close to those people, you realize a series of things and the discipline they have uh, on, on the instrument, the dedication they have with music every day. Actually, Joe Diorio is not playing anymore because he had, he had some healthy problems. And until a few years ago, it was, it was, you know, he wake up in the morning and the first thing he used to do was practicing, going deeper and deeper into into music and in the guitar language. And you know, why doing that if you if you have that level? So you learn that it's a process that lasts one life. So they really give you the motivation. I don't know how to explain well. I, I think you got the point, right? Yes, no question. Uh, no, I understand. Uh... And, and that is important. A few days ago, I was listening an interview by Kobe Bryant. And it, it's on YouTube. And the title is The Mind of Kobe Bryant. And it's interesting. You know, I, 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 don't, I, I never met him, even if he grew up in Italy. So I, I, I got close to met him, but it never happened. And, and it's incredible to, to listen to him because some of my concepts about sports... He was describing as his model to live every day in the NBA or every other things he does, or he did, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Well, you actually are a big basketball fan. You really love uh, the NBA and watching basketball. But uh, it also inspired you to one other thing, now that we mentioned basketball. You were either watching a game or uh, had uh, been listening to an interview with somebody, and you heard uh, the uh, Detroit team were the underdogs, and that meant a significant word in your life. Tell us about that. Yeah, it's, it's really... Uh, 
a long story. Uh, well, I'm a, I'm a big fan of the Pistons since the Bad Boys era. <laughs> so 1987 or 88, uh, so Isaiah Thomas and Joe Dumars and, and blah, blah, blah. But uh, we won a title in 2004 with, with, with the other team, like Chauncey Billups, Rip Hamilton. And, and it's, it's significant because they didn't have a star like Shaquille O'Neal or Dwayne Wade or somebody else. So they really played together. And I remember the finals uh, against the Lakers that Detroit won 4-1. Four, four At the beginning of the series, they were the underdogs. So the team which is supposed to lose the game or the series. And then, and then you know, the prediction is gone. But I refer more the day, the, I'm, I'm sorry, the year after, when Detroit lost the series at Game 7 in San Antonio against the Spurs, and in particular at Game 6 of the series, when the Pistons were trailing 3-2, going to San Antonio. The analysts, I remember, oh, no, no, it's over. The series is over. Nothing to do. San Antonio is stronger. And, and, and Detroit won game six. That's the beginning of my, my third life, actually, because it's the first time I heard the word resilience, which took me to my life in the last seven, eight years. But to be uh, to stay in the underdogs, it's a concept that I cherish a lot because I consider me an underdog, and uh, it's the title of my next album anyway, and it's the title of my book, which tells my story. So uh, the concept is that even if I'm not a big name or you are not a big name, you can generate the surprise and you can you can be stronger than somebody who has a big name. That's uh, my, my rule in life. So that became the theme or the story behind your album, which you released called Resilience. Uh, no, no. The, the, there is a connection between Resilience, which is the, my, my last album, my, my last trio album, which, which has an incredible story. And if you want, we can, we can talk about the story. And, and then we have the book, which tells the story for Alti Life Publisher. Uh, which has been released actually two years ago. And then the logical, the, the logical consequence is my new album called Underdogs. Uh, I, I have to record the album. I don't know when it's going to happen, but you know, the music is, is actually ready. And it's, mm, there, there are many changes in the mu musical style. So it's, it's going to be a nice surprise. Well, that sounds great, and I uh, look forward to that. So who, who are you going to uh, work with on that album, or have you decided yet? Yes, we are working with my, my trio, actually, since uh, four years, with Davide Liberti on bass and Paolo Francisconi on drums, and uh, the really underdogs. <laughs> and uh, we, we already toured Scotland four years ago. We played in Poland, uh, and uh, we are doing pretty well, actually. So I think it's much better to continue with, with these guys. So and that's going to be called Underdog. Uh, and you also wrote a book, too, you were saying. Yes, I wrote a book, uh, which is in Italian is, the translation is, The Art to Be an Underdog. Uh, because being an underdog, uh, as, a, as a thin border, uh, I, I, li I like to... To surprise so many times you know when you play a concert and people come to you and they say oh well i didn't think you you play this way 
which is a compliment from them, but not necessary. You know, you're happy to listen that somebody came to your concert thinking you you were less than <laughs> than than you played. So being an underdog me means also you know being strong with yourself so you have to be conscious otherwise the risk is to lose and lose and lose in terms of sports but the book simply tells my story of my last actually eight years when i lost um, the large part of my family i lost my childhood friends and uh, i i lost my house because I, I've been living without an house for 16 months. And uh, that's the period where I wrote Resilience. I wrote the music in the car with my dog. We, we started from here because in 2016, the album was selected uh, for the Grammys for the first step. I, did, I didn't go farther, but it was an incredible result because the production was made. I couldn't finish the album, of course, because you know I didn't have money I was spending everything. It's a long, long, long story. So I was in the car, and then you know, some friend of mine probably heard something from somebody else because I know, I know many people, you know, like in Europe or California or Australia, and they started to put together the money to finish the, the album. So we finished Resilience, and th and then the album was selected for the Grammy first round. And if, to me, even if now I realize it's not probably, a, you know, something really great, but at the moment it was really great. And I said, wow, I have to tell the story because the people helped me and to inspire people because the message is even when everything seems to be dark, seems to be impossible, there is a nook that you can have. You have to be resilient. So you have to overcome the adversity with something. You always have the possibility. And that the, that, that's the message. So I wrote the, I wrote the book for, for them, for the people you know, helping me. And then with the editor, we, 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 we said, okay, well, you are talking about your, la your last six months, but you know, how, how did you start playing? And then you know, we, we went behind and behind and it became an involuntary biography. So on the album Resilience, is there one track on that album that uh, is the important one or the one that means the most to you? Uh, that, that, that's interesting. I don't think so. Because every, every track has a story. But if you want to really give to the people my feelings during the period, you have to use track four, which is resilient. feel the word in, it, in Italian is ansia when you're nervous to somebody 
it's really you know nervous and i remember the song was born one night the uh, which i was uh, in a in a country road because I, when i when i slept in the car i had i had my places so i used to drive for a while during the night and i had my places so i was kind of far from city from the city in the country and i was really really depressed and one night i started to punch the the no probably prob- no when you know you used to to turn yeah the steering wheel oh, okay yeah and then I, well no no pump and i was you know really mad to the to this object <laughs> and, and then the, you know i felt the feeling of the song and the song came out from there from from there so it's something really strong that you can you can feel coming from the music so or if i if i think to anomalous composer which is track seven of the album it's a fake blues in seven quarters something like that before the album so every every song every song has a story stop crying is a wonderful ballad and uh you know the the first month uh, i came into the house that's another funny story the first month i came into the house that you see now uh the healing was broken and it was winter I passed like two months without healing, and I was using the the old bucket from the football, which is really heavy, and and I have an electric electric machine for the healing, and I was sitting in 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 the living room and I, I was crying, literally crying. came one point then I told to myself okay it's gone I suffered I cried I lost but now it's time to move forward and I said okay stop crying and it's you know the rebirth and this song came out from that moment that's a beautiful story uh, I uh, I'm impressed 
So you have other things in mind for your future. You're going to do Underdog, the, the next release, and presumably you'll be back on the road again. No, no, I, I have, you know, I, I have the projects, yes. And one, one you know, one positive thing, uh, at least for me, that I never, uh, I, I never worked on uh, is the social media aspect and how to develop a brand. And, you know, I also became a journalist in the meantime because I'm writing for, for Jazz in Europe, uh, which is a ni- nice magazine. Uh, uh, in Holland, and uh, recently I, I had a nice interview with Steve Swallow. So I could work on some aspect of my career that I I didn't take care of for a while, like you know improving my social media, uh, working on the website, even if you know it's it has to be done. But my Twitter looks pretty good. I'm very happy about the pictures. Uh, I'm very happy about the digital distribution of, of, of the album. And, uh, and then I got back my music. And uh, especially Resilience, uh, that is renewed. Uh, there is a new edition of the album, which is remastered. And I, decide to, I decided to release again now during the pandemic because the message is very positive. So for, for many people, I, I know that many families have problems. I know that, you know, there are a lot of poor, more poor people in the numbers, especially in Italy, the, the economics are, you know, collapsing. And I said, okay, well, maybe it's a nice time to get back my music and passing the message again. So I'm very happy about what I did. Uh, I've been listening a lot of music, so the concept of of my music is changed actually, and even on the guitar, I'm changing a little bit the style. I'm writing a book about drums into the guitar, which is a way to to insert into the phrasing uh, irregular groups inspired by the stickings of Gary Chaffee in particular. And I, I could work, and then you know I, I have to record the new album. There are a couple of important labels that might be interested, but I cannot say anything at the moment. Uh, we will be on the road uh, for four gigs in August, at the end of August, with Gianmarco Scaglia Quartet, and uh, I have the trio. I have uh, the Beyond Borders project with a Mexican drummer and Reggie Washington on bass, which is a multi cultural project. So it sounds like there's a lot to come from uh, Simone Gubiadi. I'm hoping, Simone, that this will be an opportunity uh, through this podcast for our listeners to discover you and discover your music. Yes, it's, you know, I, I really thank you very much for, for your help and support because it's important to have people like you giving voice to the underdogs. I mean, we are many. <laughs> I know a bunch of incredible musicians that don't have a gig since years. And, uh, you know, th- there is one thing that I, that I want to say, if you give me the opportunity, is that, you know, this crisis, the, this virus, uh, I, I really wish that the paradigm, the paradigma of the bookings or calling artists or giving space to artists could change because Yes, it's tragic, but it was also the opportunity to find out many, many people or many artists that normally you don't see. 
for for some reason or different reasons that you know so thanks again because you give to us a nice opportunity i don't want to be romantic too much but you know people like you really push me to continue it, those moments are really the reason why you know we suffer so much when you when, you know jazz is not easy <laughs> so you really help me in particular to push my music and you know to be more confident and to work harder and harder and harder well i i think with your resilience with your talent and your commitment and passion that you will soon be someone who was the underdog but will become the top dog <laughs> no, thanks so much let me uh let, for one second let me uh, make the marketing corner because we are so nice and uh, you know people can find me in the digital platforms like spotify or apple music or whatever and if you want to support much better the artists you should choose bandcamp because we we really manage all the rights and uh, if somebody can be interested uh, to have some skype lessons i'm available for skype lessons it's you know, you can go in my website, just send an email, I'm on Facebook, and I answer to everybody because if somebody takes the time to write me, I answer. So it's the minimum. Well, and I think that means a lot, and it says a lot about you as well because you, you cannot underplay the importance of uh, being there for your fans and the people that enjoy your music. I wish you all the best uh, of health uh, and a prosperous future. And uh, let's talk again when that new album comes out. Okay, with pleasure, with pleasure. Thanks so much for having me and, uh, you know, stay healthy and safe. And you take care of yourself and let's uh, talk again. Okay, grazie, grazie mille. Anche agli italiani che ci stanno ascoltando, to, to the Italians listening to us. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to this episode of All That's Jazz with Italian jazz guitarist Simone Gubiatti. Please join us for our next episode featuring jazz saxophonist Eric Parson. Our thanks to Ben Sidron for our theme song, Mr. P's Shuffle. If you liked today's episode, please leave us a five-star rating on the app you used to listen to us. We are available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and every major listening app. Also Facebook and online at allthatsjazz.net.